I would ask that you take your Bibles. Let's turn to John chapter 14. We're going to start with verse 23. We continue kind of where we left off last week in the upper room discourse, this interpretive gospel of John, who had opportunity to live a long life and to understand the, the important teachings of Christ, and so he does it in a little different way than the others. We're going to start at verse 23 and just go through verse 29 in a second. One of the most helpful concepts in Wesleyan theology, and in fact, you find it in in different words in almost all the theologies of Christianity, is the concept of double inspiration. One author says it this way, Wesley believed that what could be called double inspiration, not only did the Holy Spirit inspire the original writers as they wrote particular books of the Bible, But the Holy Spirit also inspires us now to both hear and apply the biblical message to our own hearts and our own lives. As Wesley himself said, all scripture is inspired by God. The Spirit of God not only once inspired those who wrote it, but continually inspires, supernaturally assists those that read it with earnest prayer. Now that means that right now as we study the Word of God, as we do both in worship, as we do, as we discuss the Word in Bible studies, as we meditate on the Word of God in our own private times of of worship, it's the same Holy Spirit that has been at work back when the Scriptures were first written and are active today in all of these various forms. The Holy Spirit, of course, allows us to be real people experiencing the real truth through the real God as He is at work within our lives. Now, it isn't enough for us, of course, to have confidence in uh, the Word of God, but to recognize that that means the Holy Spirit goes with us on this journey of faith. We're, We're not just left to try to figure out what the author might have meant or or what God was saying to the people then, the Holy Spirit interprets it to our lives today and to our present context. Jesus himself says something that is just totally amazing in recognizing that we're not alone in this world. God is actively involved in your and my life. He says that not only is he telling the disciples things that are very important, but the Holy Spirit is going to help them remember them so that they will write them down, as John does here and as we read earlier in the year as Luke was doing it. And these important things are things that we need to be constantly reminded of because it's easy for us to kind of get off track and think and listen to other things more so than to God and God's truth about our lives. The Holy Spirit also, he says, and this is a fascinating thing, that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. That as we're going into life, God will teach you everything. In theology, we call that function of the Holy Spirit in the church and within the world, the spirit of truth, that the Holy Spirit teaches truth. Now, I know that uh, we live in a postmodern world where people believe there is no such thing as truth, that it's each one of us has to figure out our own truth. But that's not what the Word of God says. It says that God, Holy Spirit will lead you and me into God's truth. And that truth will, in fact, set us free to live in harmony with creation itself, let alone with one another 
and the struggles that we experience in this life. Every person is allowed to have the truth of God through the presence of God as the Holy Spirit leads us and teaches us. Now, the primary instrument of that, of course, is the Word of God. And so the Word of God before us is the most important part of any worship service and certainly the most important part of any study that we might do in this Christian walk. And so God promises in the text today and to the disciples just before he leaves them and just before he does that final communion, that final Seder, the first communion with them, he says these dramatic words that we're going to read. So we want to use these words to prepare ourselves as we partake of the Blessed Sacrament. So John 14, we're going to start with 23 and go through 29 from the NRSV. Now Jesus answered them, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Now keep that open before you. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful uh, that you did not leave us alone to find our way in life, that you're the active, incarnate God, that you love us, that you send your Spirit to be with us, the Spirit of truth, and that you will, if we will earnestly pray, have that same inspiration in our own minds that the authors had when they wrote these words down. And so be with us today. We're opening our heart and our mind. We're earnestly praying that you will be with us, that you will work through the blessed sacrament, the elements, as well as the words of the sacrament as we prepare for this time with you. And may we, in fact, be changed as we rise from that kneeling humility that is the sacrament. We do it to your praise and your glory. Amen. Now it's interesting that this love of God and his word seem to be two sides of one coin. If we love Jesus, then we will keep his words. And if we love him, his word that came from the Father will guide us and be with us. And of course, conversely, he says... If we do not love Jesus, we will not keep his word. And we will be rejecting then the words from the Father, and we cannot be home with God, for we have rejected the Father's home. So the key, it seems, from the words of Jesus, is that to love 
Jesus is to keep his words. But what exactly does that mean? Well, the word we translate keeping is actually a verb. It means to pay deep attention to, uh, to attend to, to care carefully about it, to take care that we follow and observe. It even means to guard the words that come from the Father so that they are not stolen or they're not misapplied or they're not ignored. Now, if you, if you stop and think about that for just a moment, that to love means to listen to and guard and take in the Word of God, then that makes perfect sense because that's how it works for us. That's what it's like for us to have a relationship because words matter to our relationship. All of you who have spent any time with Cheryl and I in peer counseling or in other forms, you know that we use a tool that is called Safe and Unsafe Behaviors by Dr. Whitfield. It's interesting to me, I was thinking about this keeping the word and attending to what Jesus is saying as being an act of love, an act of true caring and guarding our heart and our relationship together. And I thought, of course, of these ways of being unsafe and ways of being safe. Dr. Whitfield studied our relationships and found that there are spiritual traumas which, in fact, impair you if somebody does it to you. It, of course, impairs the relationship, but it impairs you personally as well. And it's interesting to me that the first five have to do with paying attention to what the other person is saying, what the other person is communicating, not just with words, but in our relationship. We listen to them. We're interested in what they have to say. We make eye contact. We're attentive. We're not distracted by any other thing in our, in our uh, realm. We hear them and so on, all the way up, of course, until finally we, we love and we love unconditionally in these safe and, and uh, uh, validating behaviors. Conversely, he found that just to not listen to someone will deeply damage the person trying to communicate as well as the relationship that we have with that person. If we're not interested in what they have to say, we, if we don't make eye contact when they're speaking to us, if we're not attentive and we're only listening with half an ear, if we don't hear them, then we're expressing this lack of love. And it's at that level that it's the most primary kind of thing. You don't even really think about how you're wounding this other person and how you're harming the relationship. And eventually, if you, if you walk down that path long enough, there are other characteristics, 15 characteristics on the, on the wounding side. But eventually, you could come to a point where you no longer are connected to them and you will betray them or you will literally attack them in some form. Now, these two directions are what Jesus is describing with this verb, keep. If we tereo God and his words, then we love God. If we do not tereo, if we don't keep and guard and attentively listen to him, then we are communicating at the, at the most basic level that we don't love God, that we don't really care what he has to say. Now, if we take Jesus at his word, 
then for us to say that we love God and yet not pay careful attention to the words that he has given us, then we're only saying something with our mind and some kind of theological assent. We're not living a relationship with him in which his words become core to how we think and understand ourselves and understand life and understand the love that he has given to us. The love that God is giving is paying careful attention to us and we pay careful attention to him. So as we prepare to partake of the sacrament, we want to pay careful attention to the words of the sacrament. The words that we use within our tradition are hundreds of years old. They come out of the Book of Common Prayer and that comes out of the Roman Catholic tradition. The words are words of confession. They're words of affirmation. They're words of acknowledging who God is and, and what he's done. They are the inspired words of the sacrament. They are based on the inspired words of the New Testament, both the words of Jesus in the Upper Room Discourse, but also in the words of Paul, as Paul taught us how to celebrate the presence of God in our lives. And so these words matter deeply. Uh, the sacrament is not just the moment in which you come forward and you partake of the elements. The sacrament is from the first invitation to the last moment of blessing. It's a time in which words matter to us. And so as we say these words, we want to encourage you, of course, to experience the fullness of God. And so you do not have to be a member of this church or any church. It's not a religious act. The Holy uh, Sacrament is not a religious act. It is, in fact, a real relationship with God. And so if you want to be with God, then we invite you to come forward. And we invite you to say the words of the sacrament from your heart.